the whole idea behind this series that we've been going through is this idea of of our ministry going through new seasons. Uh, we became an independent nonprofit organization in January of this year. We also have 29 graduating seniors uh, that are going to be graduating soon. And so we wanted to have this idea of them passing the torch onto the next generation and furthering that flame. And since Paul was writing these letters to his protege, Timothy, we thought it would just be perfect for this semester because life is about changing seasons. Little did we know that it was going to be changing this much toward the end of the semester to where all of you would be at home after spring break. But that's kind of how life works, isn't it? We're unprepared for these seasons that are coming up. So in this message tonight, as we get into 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, uh, Troy Dover is going to start us off with a great story about what God's been teaching him in his area of his major and what it means to have truth from God in the midst of even an actuarial exam. And so let's listen to him as we jump into this passage tonight. Hello everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Troy. I'm an actuarial science major and within that major we often work for insurance companies. We analyze risk um, and kind of give an idea to a company how much they should set aside for those risks. Um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that major um, but kind of in the framework of one of our verses. So that verse is 2 Timothy 2.15 it says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. So a little bit more about actuarial science. There's two different societies that you have to be uh, certified through. Um, there's 10 exams in order to become certified. And those exams are about three to four hours each. Um, so that is approximately 40 hours of time just spent in exams. And then they recommend about 100 hours of study time per every hour you spend in an exam. So that comes out to roughly 4,000 hours of study time. So I did the math because that's what actuarial science majors do. And that comes out to roughly 24 weeks of study time. Uh, that's without eating, without sleeping, just 24 hours straight of studying. So that kind of convicted me, um, especially when I saw this verse. Uh, I'm willing to work and to study for my career um, and to put in all that effort into it. What if I applied that same effort to my relationship with God um, through reading his word, through praying, through building relationships with others so I can talk to him, um, memorizing his word. So the first part of this verse, it says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. So kind of within my major, I thought, well, I study that hard so I can receive the approval of whatever society it is that I um, enter into within my career. Um, what if I did that same thing with God? What if I prioritized Him and my relationship with Him? What kind of impact would that have? Uh, the next part says, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. So when you put that much time into something, uh, 
and you know you've done your best. You don't have to be ashamed of the result. Um, you can trust in God that he will bless that effort and that time you spent. And once you have put in that much effort, you can then correctly explain to others what you studied. Uh, so for me, within actuarial science, I like to think I can explain certain aspects of the exam. Um, so I think that's the study time that leads up to that. So if we spend that much time studying God's Word, then we can then explain it to others. So then they can have a better understanding of it. So that verse really convicted me. Um, if we all put that same amount of effort into something that we care about, if we applied that same effort to our relationship with God, what kind of impact would that have on those around us? I think we could really make a big difference in this world. Um, we would just be better lights for him. So I kind of also wanted to talk about my most recent exam experience. Um, the most recent exam that I took was IFM. It stands for Investments and Financial Markets. Uh, pretty boring, I know. But um, I took it in November, and I failed it the first time. And I was pretty down about it. I was really disappointed, um, really down on myself. Um, kind of felt ashamed by the result of it. I was really close to passing. I got a 4 on it, and to pass, you need a 6. They're graded out of 10. So I felt close, but um, still had some work to do. Um, ultimately, I got past that because I um, finally convinced myself that I need to trust God's timing. Uh, he has a plan for everything. So I studied for it all over break, um, into the spring semester, and took it again in March. Uh, I ended up passing that time, um, still waiting on the score, but... Um, I don't have to be ashamed that I didn't pass the first time because I can trust in the fact that I put enough effort in. I knew what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, we can just trust God's timing that he has a plan for everything. He'll work everything out. Um, so yeah, I passed in March. Um, I know it was through God because right after I took the exam, they ended up postponing all of their exams. Um, because of everything that's going on with COVID-19. So I just wanted to say that to say that we can trust in God's timing. There's a lot of uncertainty right now, lots of different stuff going on, lots of bad news out there. Um, but we can also focus on the good news and trust God's timing, that he has a reason for everything. We may not see it at the time, but if we come out of it and if we um, are able to share our experiences and grow closer to God through this time, um, we can then be better lights once we make it through this. So I just wanted to say that I hope this was encouraging. Um, there's lots of uncertainty with our school right now, but if you continue to put in the effort and to trust God, if you put him first, he will bless those efforts and, uh, we can all get through this together. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Troy, for that amazing testimony. God's doing a great work in your life, and I can't wait to see it play out even further. So for tonight, the main thing that we want you to get out of our time together is this, that we can live life constantly picking fights, especially when it comes to false teaching and false doctrine. 
um, and other Christian groups that we may not agree with, we can choose to pick a fight with them and quarrel, or we can pick a foundation. And that foundation is the truth of God's word. And so that's what we're going to really focus in and zero, zero in on tonight. Don't pick a fight. Pick a foundation. Zoe Adams is going to read our first section of our passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19 in the ESV. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone whose name, who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Thank you so much, Zoe, for reading that for us. I'd like to call this section approved or swerved. And here we see right off, right off the bat that picking fights does not benefit. The Greek word that Paul uses for ruin in this passage is where we get our English word for catastrophe. That's how strong that he feels about picking fights. And I think p- picking fights is both easy and it's quick. And I think that's why it's adopted by so many people who use it constantly and, but Paul says he, wa- he wants us to do our best, do our best to sh- as one who is approved. And God expects us all to do our best, not the best of someone else. Uh, he, the wild thing is that only God knows what that looks like. And for a long time, since 1611, the King James tra- has translated this word uh, do, for do your best as study to show yourself approved. Well, it's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than just having this, this idea of studying and amassing information. It's about what we can do with that information, what God wants to do with that information in your life. He wants to transform us all. And we're supposed to, to do our best as one who is approved. And the word for proved here brings along it with it the idea of someone who is proved genuine by testing. Someone who is proved genuine by testing. Uh, they have shown themselves to be reliable. And I think this, this goes terribly wrong when we try to apply this to human relationships. Uh, if so, we spend a lifetime of trying to be good enough. And God has already declared that we're good enough. And now we get to step into this thing where we get to show ourselves, do our best with his help to be approved by the blood of Jesus. And I think handling the this work and, and this, this idea of truth is a very dangerous work. The purpose of the truth is both to reveal and to heal, not to harm. We don't have to look very far in Christian history to see where so many people have used the truth to harm, just to fit their own agendas. And so but at the same time, there's serious consequences to rejecting the truth and, and going our own path. And E.K. Simpson says it this way when we're trying to deal with passages like this. It, this text enjoins on every teacher of the word straightforward exegesis. Exegesis is just pulling that meaning out of the text. 
So the temptation when we study the Bible is to make God say something that he hasn't said or to refuse to say something that he has said. False teaching will always be appealing to people largely because it plays right to the desires of their hearts. And we read in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 that our hearts are not in good condition. They are actually sick. And false teaching, what it does is it it affirms our sin or it distorts the truth. And here we see that it also spreads like gangrene, which is a medical term for spreading sores or ulcers. The results are never positive in the long term, especially in the eternal long term. And there are two guys mentioned here for leading this false teaching movement, Hymenaeus and Philetus. Hymenaeus is mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, and one of whom Paul handed over to Satan. And he said that they had swerved from the truth. They had swerved from the truth. I'm going to, the idea of being approved, do your best to show yourself as approved, and I like kind of correlating that with this word for swerve. This word for swerve is only used three times in the New Testament, here and in two other places in 1 Timothy. So Paul is the one that uses it, and it can be translated as deviate or depart. And it gives the idea idea of drifting. And I think drifting is dangerous because it can be both subtle and unrealized. This is like swimming in the ocean. And when you don't keep an eye on your towel, if you don't keep an eye on the shore, you'll drift far away from where you were and you you didn't even realize that you had done that. And this section of passage of scripture ends with, An affirmation in two quotations. The affirmation is that God's solid foundation stands firm. It can be so discouraging to be doing God's work and then have people tear it down with false doctrine and false teaching. So demotivating. And though that might shake us, and though it may confuse people that we're trying to reach with the the pure, unadulterated gospel, it does not shake God's solid foundation. And it reminds me of Jesus' teaching in Luke chapter 7, verses 46 through 49, where he talks about us listening, hearing and listening and obeying and being on that solid, that firm foundation. The, The two quotations are pretty interesting. The first is from Numbers chapter 16, verse 5, and is just a direct quotation from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And he says that God knowing has to be enough. God knows those who are teaching false doctrine. God knows what we're going through in 2020 right now. And then the last, the second quotation is that no one really knows where the, where this one comes from, but it's this idea of repentance. Some people believe that this could have been another one of those ancient primitive songs like the trustworthy sayings, but the It rang true that true conversion to Christianity is followed by intentional repentance, returning to God. Don't pick a fight. Pick a foundation. Holly Hoopengardner is going to read the second part of our passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 22 in the ESV. Sorry your season was cut short, Holly, but we were cheering you all on. Uh, Let's dig in for this passage. 
Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord for a pure heart. Thank you so much, Holly, for reading that passage for us. I'd like to call this second section, The Seventh Chase. This first part of this section, Paul talks about two different vessels or jars or containers or bowls that were used in ancient times. In this case, he mentions a large house and a wealthy family that may have had lots of vessels. Some of them were made out of gold or silver and some were not made out of good material. They weren't made to last long term. It was the idea of being an honorable use, special occasions, or something that was common and ordinary. They used those ordinary vessels for anything from you know, carrying water to eating food out of uh, to more disgusting uses. Uh, actually, I have, uh, maybe they were carrying trash in it. I put a, an emoji on my notes, as you can see there. Uh, but they, they used these vessels for common, ordinary uses and then others for honorable uses. And so we are vessels of honor. We are, are the special occasion vessels that he mentions. We were made holy and readied for what God has asked us to do by Jesus' blood. We are made honorable. And so he, he follows right after that with say, So, because of that, because you are one of those really great vessels or containers that's made out of gold, Flee from youthful passions and pursue these things. And you're not just gold-plated, right? You're gold through and through. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, we saw this same language, same exact language he used. So flee and pursue. Now in that one, we saw what we had termed the six chases. It wasn't telling us exactly what to do, but how to do it, how to live. And these six chases were like filters. Now here we're going to get a seventh chase. And the seventh chase in this list, we don't have time to unpack all the things in that list or on this list, but I wanted to really pick out that the seventh chase is the word peace, is the word peace. And it is the other side of war. It is the, the Greek is the equivalent to shalom in the Old Testament. Though threats may surround me, I am not threatened. Though threats may surround me, I am not threatened. And you can see the immediate implications in dealing with false teachers. Though I will be strong in the truth, I will be not baited to quarrel among those who are not walking in the truth. This honorable vessel cannot be distracted with quarreling. This honorable vessel has work to do. Don't pick a fight. Pick a foundation. Will Brochiers is going to read the third and final part of our passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He's going to read verses 23 through 26 in the ESV. Thank you, Will. 
Hey everyone, Will here, and this is 2 Timothy 2, 23-26. Had nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil that's been captured by him to do his will. This last section, I want to call it the feel of foundation. What does this actually look like for us to have a foundation that's like grounded and rooted in the truth? Why can't we pick fights when we want to? We may think, God, let me loose on them. You've equipped me. You've trained me. You've purposed me for this very moment. It's time for me to open up both barrels on these people and tell them that they're wrong and get into a giant debate with them. Oh, you can do that, but that would mean that you've decided that Jesus is no longer your Lord and that you're in control of this situation. The word for servant here in this last part of our passage is also the word for slave. We have placed ourselves underneath Jesus' leadership, trusting that his way is better than ours. And since that is true, since we have admitted that his way is better than ours, that he is our Lord, he's the Lord of our lives, here is the alternative to picking fights. And he says, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, and correcting them with gentleness, the opponents with gentleness. Kind to everyone, gentle. No one is exempt from kindness. We have got to be kind, not just to some that are easy to be kind to, but kind to everyone, even those that we disagree with. That's an interesting take, isn't it? Number two, able to teach. Also was in a qualification for an elder in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Everyone needs to be able to communicate the pure gospel. Just because you're not an elder or a minister or whatever, you are expected to be able to teach the gospel, to tell people about the good news of what Jesus did for them on the cross, to tell them about his resurrection. Number three, patiently enduring evil. First Peter chapter 2, verse 20 gives us even more insight into this. Peter writes, But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. We are a part of a legacy. Patiently enduring evil is not letting evil win. It is kind of going into this idea that we're going to talk about in a second. I don't don't ruin it. But the fourth thing is correcting his opponents with gentleness. This is power under control. Strength cannot be fully utilized unless it is harnessed. Side note, the Greek word, that's used for correct here is the word, same word that's used for teaching a child. You got to realize what you're working with here. Teaching a child. We may respond to God, like I said earlier, God, I don't like this plan. It seems a little soft to me. Why can't we just take them on like we really want to? And God may respond to us with Romans chapter 12, verse 19, another writing from Paul. He says this, 
Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Let's let God do what only he can do. Verse 26 shows us that these four listed above are the only way we'll be able to get false teachers to come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. Remember I said that earlier about truth, that the whole purpose of truth is to heal and not to harm. The purpose of truth is to restore and not to chase off. That's exactly what he's talking about here. This isn't just to chase them off so we don't have to deal with them anymore. He wants them to come to repentance, and hopefully so do we. Don't pick a fight. Pick a foundation. And oh, by the way, the foundation is actually also a fight. It's called the good fight that was mentioned in second, or 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now Adriana is going to share her story of what God has been doing in her life. I'm super excited for you to hear this. Hey guys, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Adriana Garrett and I'm a senior this year in CSF. Uh, so today I kind of just wanted to share a little story of mine with you about the passage that Andrew is teaching us on today. So thanks for listening. Um, so out of this passage, the big verse that I connected with and took something away from was um, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, do your best to prepare yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So as many of you probably know, I'm sure, we encounter many trials, tests, hurdles, all these things in our life that want to test our duty to obey God and our commitment to following his word, you know. So these trials, they test our faith, and they often tempt us to throw the truth of God to the side and fail to trust in him. I know, personally, I have felt tested many times in my life, um... Like in interviews, that's a big time when I feel tested, when I'm waiting to hear back, or even when I don't hear anything back at all sometimes. Uh, my biggest test that I ever experienced was when I actually had to stop attending IUPUI, and I had to switch to online school through Arizona State. It was a really rough time for me. I was struggling with a lot of things to do with that, um, but just, I turned to God, I trusted in Him, and I repeated the truth to myself in this situation over and over again, and it helped me get through that. And I've come out stronger because of it. Uh, so recently, though, for me, I've been feeling tests like this when I'm literally at work, whether it's at Starbucks where I work or at my internship that I have this semester. So coworkers of mine, both at Starbucks and my internship, they're very opinionated sometimes. Some of them are very opinionated and open about their lack of religion or even just their opinions of Christians in general. And that's just really hard for me to hear sometimes. Uh, they openly put down Christianity and they do it often. I find myself asking day after day, why can't I have that same openness and willingness that they have to disown Christianity, but instead to turn around and share the story of Jesus with them? So verse 15 in Second Timothy chapter 2 says, do your best to prepare. So God gives us his word to study, to prepare with, to be able to go out into the world to share his gospel. Um, I know for me, I sometimes fall off the path of being in the Word daily, and when I do, I can really just tell a difference um, in how I handle the tests that I tests that I face at work, or whether it's at work or just any test that you face. Um, when I haven't been reading the Word and studying God's truth, I am not prepared for these tests. I even, in a sense, become ashamed of my religion, and I fail to speak up about it. 
Um, on the other hand, though, when I have been in the Word and meditating on it, I notice that I'm much more eager to speak up and speak with love and sincerity to the relationships that I have, whether it's my coworkers or my friends or my family, just anybody like that. Um, so if I wanted to take the easy way out, I could stay quiet, I can keep my relationships with coworkers and friends at a comfortable level that would keep me from stepping on anybody's toes. Uh, this would obviously be for my personal gain. It would make my day-to-day -day easier. In this situation, though, that I'm choosing, um, I'm choosing to better my plan in this situation rather than glorifying God's plan and following his plan to go out and create disciples and reach the unreached. Um, as Christians, though, as we know, we're called to lead with the truth and handle it rightly, like verse 15 says. Uh, we know that a good and true relationship with someone doesn't come without being able to lovingly speak truth into their lives. I could easily lash out and speak negatively to my uh, coworkers or my friends or family when they just when I feel like they're putting down Christianity. I could put them down too. I could argue with them, but we're called to speak the truth and do it lovingly so that we reflect Jesus to those who don't know him or may not know him. Um, so kind of my takeaway from the message today is if I study the word, I learn to carry the word rightly and the truth rightly. This then helps me in my everyday tests to be able to share the truth whether that be to friends, family, whoever you're close to. It helps you to share the truth in your life to them. Um, and if we spread the truth to others, then we create a light for God's glory to shine. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much, Adriana. That was perfect. Let's take a few things with us tonight uh, before we go. Number one, don't swerve. That was at the beginning in our passage. As I say to myself so often, no matter what I'm going through, especially when I'm tempted, going through temptation, Andrew, you got to stay focused. There's too much at stake here. And that's the same thing with this. Don't swerve. Stick to the truth. Stick to that foundation. The second is press into peace. It is called the seventh chase, right? We just determined that that's called the seventh chase. And it's the thing that our world needs the most right now. And it starts with you and it starts with me. The more that we interact with the peace from the Holy Spirit, the more we can just make it a contagion that, that we give it to other people and then they are able to breathe deep. And the last thing, trust God to take care of it. One of my mentors, Carl Davis, I mentioned him quite a bit. I was complaining one day to him. He was my mentor elder at the time when I was working at, a, at the church. And he said something really interesting to me when I was complaining about someone that I was worried about and that they weren't where they needed to be. And he said, Andrew, do you not believe that God can take care of them? Wow, that's pretty convicting, isn't it? And so let's dream for a little bit. What would happen if we, if we picked not a fight, but a foundation? Augustine said it like this, The truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose, and it will defend itself. I'd encourage you to go back through this passage, read back through the list, especially this one with the four, the kind to everyone able to teach, patiently enduring evil and correcting. Read back through that, pray through that, and see where God leads you into all that he has in store for you. Thank you so much for tuning into this message. Uh, Blake Edwards is going to close us out with a word of prayer. Hey guys, what's up? It's Blake, and I'm going to be providing the closing prayer for today. So if you guys want to go ahead and bow your head, that'd be awesome.
Dear God, thank you for this day, and thank you for this message we were, we were able to hear today, Lord. I know it was a great pick-me-up for me as well as many other people kind of through this rough time, God. God, I just ask that you um, keep helping us pick foundations over fights, Lord. I think that's such a great idea um, to follow through in, in our walk with you. Also, Lord, I just ask for your, for your hand of protection over us this weird time, God. It's such a weird time. It's a, it's a confusing time. Not a lot of people know um, what's going to happen or what's going on. Um, but one thing we do need to remember is um, that you're in the driver's seat and you're in control. Um, so we know that, that we're going to be all right, God. God, I just thank you for this message today. And I, th- and I thank you for this time. And uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.